<laughs> okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come. Joel, have you seen that movie? He's in the movie, Joe. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 scores. Scope, yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Did Matt Peck yeah. get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't know. No. I'll talk to D. Rose. Yeah, got you. Matt, well, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best. Best hour of your day. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. And so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked on Bulls podcast, Locked on Bulls starts now. The Locked on Bulls podcast. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Today is Wednesday, that means it is mailbag time and we are going to get into your voicemails and your text messages because we have a whole ton of them to talk about matt but first and foremost how you doing uh did you get a chance to watch any more of those games yesterday as the nba creeps closer and closer uh first game is tomorrow correct on tnt and we're going to get a chance to see zion williamson act in action yeah man double header uh it sounds like uh you know, the, the chances are looking good for Zion to participate. You know, he just returned to practice, I want to say yesterday, after finishing his quarantine because he left the bubble and got back to the bubble. Um, but so we got that as the first part of the doubleheader. And then second part of the doubleheader, we got Lakers Clippers. Uh, awesome showdown. Two of the front runners for not only the Western Conference, but for the whole uh, for the whole title in the bubble. And I'm not sure if you heard this yesterday, but there was an update from, I want to say, Chris Haynes. Uh, of Yahoo Sports. Montrez Harrell, still not back in the bubble, still attending to personal matters outside the bubble. So the Clippers are going to be down one of their key front court pieces on the first night of NBA basketball. I'm so freaking stoked. It's going to be weird. It's going to be interesting too. And like, honestly, Matt, I was talking to a couple people and I don't even know how to bet these games either because normally with the NBA, I like to do quarters. And so you can basically feel out trends by quarters and be able to win some money that way. But man, I think these games are going to be so sloppy and so all over the place and guys, and I can't, I can't put my finger on it yet. I don't know if it's going to be sloppy to the point where there's going to be no defense played and it's just going to be scoring left and right or is it going to be the flip opposite where guys are chucking up shots and just bricking left and right and we're going to see I don't know kind of low scoring games if you will. I'm not really sure which way the basket the actual basketball play is going to go. How do you think it's going to go? Yeah, I remember earlier this week was running through uh, like team stats from the first dozen or so games of the exhibitions that happened through the middle uh, portion of games and then the the last exhibition games to be played. And you know, a field goal percentage and points per game and offensive rating and a lot of things like that uh, that show just general trends of competent basketball uh, got progressively better as the exhibition games went on. So you already saw them knocking off a little bit of that rust from this long layover. And I just kind of assume that we'll continue to see that progression but I don't know how much of the ex- exhibition games you watch I've watched a fair amount of them myself and of course a lot of it was was pretty sloppy 
Yeah, I got a chance to catch the John ja Morant and John ja Morant Grizzlies Heat game for a little while yesterday. And I also watched, I don't even know why I was watching this, but I was watching Suns and Raptors. And so I saw Devin, I saw Devin Booker take uh, Pascal Siakam to town, though, and dunked on him. So that was kind of cool to see. But yeah, the games were, they weren't up to par, like uh, I think some people are going to expect. And hopefully they shake off the rust and they figure some things out in the first, these first, what are they playing, six or eight games in this exhibition before they uh, wrap things up and the playoffs start. So hopefully the rust is able to be shaken off before then. Uh, Matt, we've got a ton of mailbag to do today, and so I want to make sure we get to our voicemail and then all of our text messages. Yeah, Jordan, before we get to mailbag for the day, just wanted to remind our listeners that Locked on Bulls is brought to you in part by Axios. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axio Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Our episode today is also sponsored by my book. Bookie. Guys, I had a really, really, really good day in baseball yesterday betting, and I will share those thoughts with you in a second, but uh, we've all been waiting since March, and while you've been listening here, it's been four months without Bulls basketball, without any NBA, and we've got the MLB started up again. Uh, we've got the NHL for the first time starting this weekend as well, and same thing with the NBA. Starting tomorrow night, you'll be able to bet on those games. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on your favorite teams, and with the start of Major League Baseball already here and well underway, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay you. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Maybe it's uh, the MLB. Maybe your favorite team's in the MLB, and you're feeling good about that 60-game season. Maybe you're a Blackhawks fan, and you want to maybe cash in on some of those betting odds that the Hawks, the Hawks right now, they're actually paying you money. So you lay $10, they're paying around $13 to $15 out. So you're going to make a little bit more money than you're going to throw if you feel the Blackhawks can beat the Oilers in that first round of the opening series, uh, whatever it may be. Smart bettors are always looking toward the future. And in this case, that means basketball hockey, and football. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all of your favorite NBA games, NHL games, and future NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. And Matt, I just told you that I had a wonderful day in baseball yesterday, and I will say thank you to the Cubbies for, uh, I've been riding a hot wave with the Cubs right now, and so they've been scoring early and often, and I have been making up for it in droves. Uh, but yeah, one example, So far, it doesn't matter. Their bullpen is shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as they lock down the win, that's all that matters, and that puts money in my pocket. Uh, for example, yesterday, though, the White Sox game, I bet over one and a half hits from Yoan Moncada in the first game. I also bet on Francisco Lindor to hit a home run. Francisco Lindor was plus 650. So you lay $100 down, you win $650. I laid 10 and or I laid 20 and I ended up with 130 bucks. So that was a great payout yesterday. So you can make small wagers and end up winning big. Regardless wherever you do it, join today and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code locked on NBA when signing up. Join today and my bookie again will deposit and match your deposit 100 percent 
and they'll toss in that $10 MLB Futures wager. So use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Uh, so let's jump into this first voicemail here, Matt. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Matt. Hey, hey Bulls Nation. This is Sam from L.A. I haven't called in a while, but uh, just had two thoughts. One, uh, are you guys going to take out that guard foreman? Uh, it's a vibe kind of thing in the intro. Uh, just... You know, my ears bleed every time I hear it. And second, on a you basketball can just level, see the is there vibe. a way, is there anybody you guys think of where they can replace the wing position for the Bulls? Uh, it's hard to watch knowing that Hutchinson and Porter Jr. just cannot stay healthy and receive these weird three-guard lineups um, during the season. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Go Bulls. You can just see the vibe. Absolutely not. That will not be coming out of our intro, and I can promise you that while Gar Foreman is no longer a part of the organization, at least officially, what we know from from what they've told us, I don't know about you, Matt, but I still got some questions and wondering if he's still somewhere lurking around this, the shadows of the Bulls organization. But no, you can see the vibe will be staying for a while. That's just a classic drop. You can just see the vibe. Uh, but uh, I, I don't play. I don't blame our caller though. To say that it makes his ears bleed because it kind of <laughs> makes my ears bleed too, man. I mean, at least now it's not. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's now just become a joke because Gar actually is gone. I don't think he's still lurking somewhere around the Advocate Center. Uh, he better not be. So, but I understand. I understand. I'm just if if you decide to mix up our intro again sometime in the near future, it wouldn't be devastating to me to to no longer hear Gar Foreman's voice in this building here in the Advocate Center. But let's get to, I guess let's get to Sam's more important question is uh, what the Bulls are going to plan to do with the wing position. And it is, a, I mean, how many times have we had this conversation since the rebuild has started, Matt? Like basically once a week, right? I mean, the Bulls haven't had a wing player since Jimmy Butler's been gone. So, and even Jimmy Butler at times was playing the two. So I don't know what they're going to do, man. Like, they wasted that. They wasted that second first first round pick on Chandler Hutchison, and maybe it's not a waste. And injuries were just a, were just bad luck. But we've never gotten to see the actual opportunity and the flashes of whatever the Bulls saw in him to draft him in the first round. Uh, we haven't been able to see it because he's been hurt. And then same story with Otto Porter Jr. You pay him all that money and you feel like he's going to be another additional piece to this future rebuild. And of course, he can't stay on the floor either. So I don't know what the answer is. Short term, I don't think there is much. I think you're going to get the same guys that we had last year. Yeah, I mean, I and we have what, 13 of 15 currently. And then you still have decisions to make about Chris Dunn, Denzel, Shaq Harrison. Um, but as far as the wing spot is concerned, it's going to be, as far as I can tell, a repeat of this past year, a repeat of the past year and a half since we acquired Otto in the trade, which is we've got a young, not so young, and very unproven kid uh, in Chandler Hutchison who can't stay on the court. When he is on the court, he shows flashes at least of some defensive versatility uh, some some solid you know stuff in the transition game. He's a decent rebounder for a guy his size, and that's about it. Uh, can't shoot to save his life. And Otto Porter Jr. 
a veteran who they, you know, gambled to make a move on, taking on his big contracts, knowing that it was up and they needed to ship off Jabari Parker because that experiment crashed and burned as we any of us with a brain could tell it was going to do. So the auto trade, I think, made sense at the time knowing that this team needed a wing and also some veteran leadership and a just competent two-way player at that spot. And he just hasn't been able to stay on the floor. But those are the two guys who you're going to have at that spot uh, coming into this next season, whenever that starts. I don't see anything else changing. I don't see them making major moves. Everything that we're, we've heard is, is pointing to them waiting another year before they make major moves because they want to evaluate what they have. I think it's a good point and. You know, the one thing that I think about Chandler Hutchison a lot that he did really well, and it's probably the only highlight that he's had since being a part of the Bulls, is he's a really good backdoor cutter, and he's a guy that cuts constantly to the basket, too, and which is something that the Bulls don't do nearly often enough. I mean, you would see at times where the Bulls' offense would be spread around the three-point line, and Chandler Hutchison would either be in either corner, and he'd fake his guy out going to the basket, and they would get easy buckets there, and... Chandler Hutchison is athletic enough to where he can throw dunks down. We've seen it before where Stacey King is, I don't know, giving weird nicknames like Young Pip out, and we shouldn't be giving nicknames to guys from Boise State, calling them the second best player in franchise history, but that's a different story. But still, I think there's potential there for Chandler Hutchison. It's like, but the, the, the age-old question for a lot of Bulls players is, can you stay on the damn floor? Can you stay healthy? And it's hard to blame guys for health, but uh, this to, to n- none of Chandler Hutchison's own fault. He's just dealt with a lot of really stupid, nagging injuries that have cost him. And look, the one that was major that's kept him out for a long time, I mean, I don't know if his 100% it's not on Chandler Hutchison, but I mean, there's still some blame for Jim Boylan playing him 42 minutes after having a, a hairline fracture in his foot, and that can only make things worse, so let's not forget about that either, and that's why Chandler Hutchison missed, what, upwards of five or six months leading into an offseason? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, maybe this super extended offseason healthy when the Bulls start this next season under their their new front office and hopefully a new coach. Um, But the Bulls were pretty much healthy when we started this past season. Unlike, you know, year two of the rebuild, year three, everybody was healthy to start out. And then, you know, Otto goes down nine games in. And then even after that, they were still, for the most part, fairly healthy. But we all knew coming into this, this past season that, between Otto's injury history and Chandler Hutchison's injury-riddled rookie year, there was little to no wiggle room at that wing spot. And that proved to be the case when Otto went down two weeks in and then Chandler Hutchison couldn't stay on the floor either. Um, I also think it's kind of funny that you used the the phrase, you know, the age-old question when it came to Hutch because, like, I mean, how old is that dude? Like, 38? He's, he's a second-year player who's 38 <laughs> years old. That's so true. And then we're looking at guys, too. I mean, talking about players, too, to draft. It's like, don't look any anywhere near guys that are 21 or 22 years old. Look at the dudes that are, like, 18 or 19, because I, I think we are done with the experiment of taking guys that have played three or four years in the end, or in college basketball before the Bulls decide to draft him. We're in no position to do that anymore. So no more Denzel Valentines, no more Chandler Hutchison's who spent three or four years in college basketball in our quote-unquote ready-to-go guys, because clearly that isn't, that isn't the case either, at least what the Bulls are evaluating, and well, at least their old front office was evaluating. So 
Uh, yeah, good question. But I think in the short term, to kind of wrap up the question is, I don't think there's much movement at all. And the front office, again, likes most of the roster anyway. So they're probably going to use this, whatever this next season, or if they're able to get games going in some extent, to be able to see what they have before they make any firm decisions. Um, but thanks for the voicemail. Thanks for the call. <clears throat> uh, Matt, let's jump to a let's jump to a text message. 815 says, The Levine rumors re- recently got me wondering, what is Levine's actual trade value around the league? I have my Bulls fan blinders on, so I have no clue. Can you guys give me some examples of trade packages that would be a realistic package, and it doesn't even have to come from New York teams, so I don't really like anything that they could put together. Thanks. Um, Matt, we, I know we've talked about this a couple different times throughout the quarantine and brought up different scenarios, but do you feel like there's a, a team out there that could use Zach Levine, but also has the assets to give the Bulls enough to entice them to move him? No, none of them immediately come to mind. I mean, rumors, um, previously about how the Knicks and the Nets are both, you know, monitoring the Zach Levine situation in Chicago, meaning if Zach is fed up and wants out and demands a trade, they would be interested. But I think you and I were both on the same page when discussing that, that neither of those teams could really offer the Bulls a package that we would be interested in or that the Bulls front office would deem to be a worthy uh, package for Zach Levine, whether you're talking about current young pieces of the roster or draft capital. I mean, the, the one team that would in, intrigue me is Oklahoma City. And I don't know whether or not they would be interested in Zach Levine at being added to that core. I mean, like, clearly, Chris Paul has done amazing things for that organization this season and made them uh, a playoff-bound contender in the Western Conference when nobody expected them to be when they decided to shut everything down and and finally, you know, trade off Westbrook. So kudos to to CP3 for doing that. And they've got some other young pieces on that team that are that are really blossoming. But they also, because of that trade... And previous trades have done a really good job to accumulate probably the most impressive uh, stockpile of of future draft picks of any team in the league right now. It used, I would want the Bulls to start looking if we get to that point where Zach is unhappy and wants out. I would love for the Bulls to at least pick up the phone and see if the Thunder were interested in Zach kind of joining some of the other young pieces they have, knowing that CP3 is not going to be around for whatever comes next for that franchise. Yeah, that's a good thing, too, because Troy Weaver's gone, and so at least that's one of the two pieces that was part of finagling the Bulls a handful of times in the past in trades. So uh, I know Sam Presti's still there, but uh, AK and Mark Eversley in trade negotiations will be a breath of fresh air in, in terms of what they give up and also what they deal off. Uh, that's a good one because the Thunder do have a ton of picks. I'm also thinking of ready-made talent right now in teams that are that one piece away. So I, I, first that comes to mind is Miami. Another one that comes to mind is LA. And talking about the Lakers, not the Clippers. Uh, Philadelphia we've talked about a couple times. And I think Philadelphia can be more pressed once we actually understand and know what they're going to do long-term with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Because, look, they still got Tobias Harris locked up. They've got Al Horford locked up on a bunch of money. So they're going to have to make a decision there. 
So if they they decide one of those two guys they can't pay, can't afford to pay and need to move, Zach Levine might be a good trade option for them because he's on a decent deal and his his deal comes up in two years so they can have some flexibility going uh, in the short long term if that makes sense. But I think I would, I think without putting any names to it, I have to get, for starters, I have to get a first round pick and I've got to get a ready-made, if not... If not borderline all-star player, it's got to be somebody that you just drafted that has the ceiling that could be potentially where Zach Levine is right now. Plus, I need more than that. Like, that's just two starters. So I'm thinking about, like, going back to your Oklahoma City Thunder example. I need need multiple first-round picks from them, and I need a guy, like, they're not going to trade Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I'm trying to think of anybody else young that I would want on their team. But like yeah, little yeah I, I assume that that he would be off limits. Obviously, you know, I, I would love SGA. I but I I assume that the piece that OKC plans on building around uh, it would just be tough for the Bulls to trade Zach Levine, and then your return doesn't come with somebody that is ready to be able to watch right away. Does that make sense? Like a guy that can come in here right away and be excited about and know that we're actually going to get to see some return right away, as opposed to what we've done with Jimmy Butler three years ago, where it was okay. Levine's got a lot of potential. He is coming off an ACL surgery. We got Lowry Markin in at number seven. He's got a lot of potential as well. Very excited for him. And Chris Dunn was a top five pick, and he didn't get much of a shot in Minnesota. So he's also exciting. Outside of Zach Levine, like Lowry Markin's had his ups and downs, but for the most part, kind of underwhelming. And Chris Dunn has been underwhelming for the most part as well. So. I think in order to not be disappointed or feel like you got the short end of the stick in a Zach Levine deal, especially the money he's on, man, you got to get something in return that you can see the return almost immediately on the floor. And I think AK and Mark Eversley understand that. Yeah, I think th- they're aware of how um, fried mentally and emotionally the fan base is of how poorly this rebuild has gone three seasons in. And so that that would be the really tough selling point to, to make a trade that was mostly about draft capital, future draft capital, and not young, exciting players that, you, that are, you're adding to your roster right now. Because we feel like we are that maybe started with some optimism and, and some some feeling of potential for, for some of these young players you just mentioned. And for a multitude of reasons, it hasn't gone well. So if they decide to take the best, most talented piece that they have right now, and ship him off for a new bundle for like rebuild 2.0. It's it's going to be a big ask of the fan base to have all the patience in the world to wait for that those draft capital pieces to arrive and then develop. I think one other spot too that could be interesting, and I guess we just have to wait and see what they do in this bubble, is the Utah Jazz. You know, we talked early about them and uh, Donovan Mitchell and uh, Rudy Gobert having kind of some at odds and wanting to be dealt and not wanting to be a part of the same team anymore and needing to get over some stuff. Uh, if that's still lingering past this this restart and you go into the offseason, that could be a potential trade partner too. And it would make s- some sense if, if either you're going to trade for... Well, it would be more looking at Donovan Mitchell than trading for Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert would be a different conversation. Um, but yeah, I would even look at that that route. So somebody of Donovan Mitchell-esque, maybe a little bit lesser, 
but I still got to get a first round pick, if not more than that, uh, out of any trade deal. And even going back to last year, we were talking about dealing him to places like Toronto and some other teams that needed needed depth and also needed some quote unquote star power. The Bulls are going to overvalue him, and I, I can understand why Karnasovas and Eversley won't be quick quick triggered to pull on a deal, and they're going to wait and see and, and evaluate all of their options, which is the only thing that I can ask, is we have a borderline superstar here. It's very difficult to get those guys on your team and to keep them here long term, so wait as long as possible to fully understand if, if it is truly a the better path for this team to go is to deal him. So I think we got all the time in the world too. And honestly, I'm still saying I don't, I'm not a hundred percent on board with trading Zach Levine. I'd like to see him stay here long-term, but I guess we can get into that uh, over the next several weeks before we get actual bulls basketball back. Uh, Matt, the last one yeah. I wanted ooh, to, ooh, Jordan, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, which one were you going to pick? I was going to go to Melbourne, Australia. Yes, that's the one I wanted to go to next. So let's uh, let's hear from Trent as we kind of wrap up here. Trent from Melbourne, Australia. I thought Darnell Mayberry made some good points about Jerry Reinsdorf's financial situation the other day. If he's losing nine-figure lump sums with no end in sight, he has reason to be cautious in my opinion. So I struggle to side with Matt who says he has no sympathy for a billionaire and would ask him this question. Jerry's net worth is listed at $1.5 and he's recently lost nine-figure numbers, right? Now think of your net worth and deduct the same percentage and tell me if you'd be cautious too. I know I would be. Remember, billionaires have billionaire overheads too. Then I ask myself, why should this guy put fans before himself when fans don't give a fuck about him? Just because the guy's a billionaire doesn't mean you can't show empathy in the situation. Sounds like a tall poppy syndrome to me. I want a new coach too, and I hope we're in a position to get one, but we're in an uncertain time at the moment, so there's a lot more to consider here. Anyway, love the show, and thanks for all the content you guys are providing. Uh, this is an interesting one, and man, I don't think we talked about this side of the the scenario. And I know in radio we've talked a lot about this over the past couple of weeks. But uh, I'll throw it to you first. What are your thoughts, Trent? I appreciate you being a loyal listener, and that's where the kind words stop. Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> this 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 is the stance that you're taking understanding that this billionaire needs to be cautious. First of all, let's remember the context of the conversation we were having with Darnell and the context being what is a good reason slash excuse to keep Jim Boylan and losing out on 900 million or a nine figure sum of money means that I can justify keeping a head coach who is in every way proven to be bad at his job so that I can pay him and just him his measly $1.6 or $1.7 million salary, as opposed to paying him that to go away and then also paying a new coach somewhere between 2 and $4 million annually. When you're talking about millions versus billions, that difference is minuscule. Minuscule. To suggest that we put it in the terms of what, you know, do I put down a huge down payment on this house or do I go buy some of those, you know, uh, temporary tattoos in those little red and glass machines at the convenience store down the street? That's the difference in money you're talking about if you want to put it in the context of a billionaire versus a common man. Let's also make this point clear. Jerry was talking about losing out on potentially nine figures worth of revenue. 
That is not the same thing as actually losing nine figures worth of your money. Two completely different things. That's what I have to say about that. Yikes. Yikes. Wow. Yikes. He honors the essence of the team. The funny thing, too, is to think about this. Think about all the other businesses Jerry Reinsdorf owns. Now, outside of the Bulls and outside of the White Sox. He, he owns NBC Sports Chicago, at least a portion of it. I mean, he owns several other businesses as well. Very, very, very successful businessman. And honestly, like, there's a difference between caring about what your quote-unquote sports fans feel, Bulls fans and White Sox fans, and actually caring about the real people that work for your organization. Those are two separate things, and I'm willing to s- separate both of those. I know Jerry Reinsdorf cares about the people that work for him. I, I know that. Believe me, we see the first hand with this Bulls organization. He keeps people around forever. But he also takes care of the little people, too, in his organization. And again, it goes back to there's positive parts of being loyal and there's there's negatives and downfalls. And we've seen that with the Bulls organization, especially. But yeah, man, if you're trying to convince me somebody who somebody who works in sports and hasn't made a whole lot of money yet in my entire life and a lot of other Bulls fans out there, White Sox fans in general, that are middle class, upper middle class, maybe even lower middle class, that that have no idea what it's like to have the money that he has or to make the type of money in just in, in a month alone. I mean, it's hard for me to, to have empathy for them. I can understand it. But it's very difficult for me to have empathy for anybody who owns a team that's worth $3.4 billion and, and another team that's worth $1.5 billion. And look, it, he's going to make the, that money back. And look, if it's, if it's such a burden, if it's such a burden on Jerry Reinsdorf, sell the teams. Sell the teams. Sell the teams. You'll be, you'll be withstanding to make a profit. You bought the I'm Bulls. Given- for nineteen we, we ha- million. Nineteen million dollars. <laughs> and they're worth three point four billion. We're just not giving enough sympathy and attention to that to that point that poor point oh 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 one percent. We we need to we need to rewrite the book How the Other Half Lives to show some empathy, but instead of calling it how the other half lives, we'll call it how the other point oh 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 one percent lives and just shower them with all of our sorrow because gee, it must be so difficult to be in their shoes. Fuck all the way off. I like to associate myself with winning. Exactly. I got fired this year. <laughs> <laughs> that's something we didn't talk about, man. That just reminded me of Scotty Pippen, which we can get into tomorrow. Uh, he had some words to say, but yeah, look, I, I get it. I get, I get Trent's point. I totally do. And there are two sides to this too, because I mean, you can't just look at Jerry Reinsdorf and say, well, screw you. You're, you're, you're losing $500 million on two franchises. I get, I get the amount of money he's losing, and he's with Stan to lose, and so are a lot of these owners. But they also have made a ton of money, and has has. I would feel a little bit more sympathy if the investment in both teams has been equal throughout the last what five or ten years, and it hasn't. I mean, ha- has he reinvested in any of the players on the Bulls or the White Sox? I don't think so. He hasn't invested in winning. I, I don't believe that. So. I would have a little bit more empathy there if it was like, okay, he actually does care about the fans. He cares about the product on the floor and what the fans feel and think. And there's a lot of that that goes into it too. But man, it's just, 
it's very difficult for me to get to the point where having empathy for somebody that's worth over five billion dollars. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Also, I'm 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 curious though, uh, and maybe Trent can you know shoot us a follow up text and explain it. This uh, tall poppy syndrome. Well, is 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 that like a colloquial term in Australia that that you know us uh, Yankees are not familiar with? Have you ever heard that before, Jordan? I have not. Okay, so I just Googled it. Uh, Tall poppy syndrome, a perceived tendency to discredit or disparage those who have achieved notable wealth or prominence in public life. Oh, oh, yeah, that's totally what we're doing with Jerry. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Interesting. I had never heard of that before. But yes, it is an Australian. It's common in Australia and New Zealand. So maybe that's why we have never uh, heard that before. But yes, I I don't think that's it. We learned a new we we learned a new phrase, and we also learned that um, our buddy Trent is uh, he's sipping on some strong stuff. I don't know what it is, but let let me let me get some. <laughs> and look, if it, if if it was that way, Matt, we we would be going angrily after the players, right? And I've been I've been staunchly, and I feel like you have too. I've been staunchly on the side of the players, even when they were talking about the safety of coming back, how much money the players were withstanding to lose. And that's what I think about more than anything else. I mean, you, you can forget about the fans that pay two or three hundred dollars to go see a game, or you know, support in small ways. I think about the players and what they're withstanding to lose, and not even just the stars, man. How about the guys that are the thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth man on the roster, guys that aren't going to be able to be paid for those games guys that are, that are just hanging on by a thread in order to get their chance to play in the NBA and actually make a little bit of money without being able to play those games without being able to restart without being able to do any of this they're they're looking to withstand to lose a ton of money as well so I've I have so much more empathy I have a, a thousand times more empathy for players and having to make the tough decision of going back and playing in these weird situations and this weird NBA bubble and even if it ex- extends to next year way more empathy for them than I do for billionaire owners and that's the same thing it goes back to the conversation in baseball where they were having the bickering fighting between players and ownership and Matt honestly we might see this in the NBA in the not too distant future with the uh with the players with the quote-unquote CBA coming up relatively soon I mean we they were talking about a lockout when tensions got deep when tensions got uh pretty strong about a month ago when Kyrie was kind of pushing back and there's some other players pushing back about if they wanted to actually come back and play this year so we may see that happen again in the NBA we we're not I mean we're we haven't it's not like we haven't seen that before I mean it's been what almost 10 years since the lockout in 2010 2011 so we may see that again not the not so distant future yeah and you know perspective wise when it you know, when it comes to, yeah, obviously you and I have been on the side of the players this whole time. And it's also why we respect the fact that any player who decided not to go to the bubble for whatever reason, um, that is absolutely their right. You know, we're hearing over the past few days, more NFL players are opting out for, for similar reasons and concerns. Um, and yes, the players are not as wealthy as the owners and they do a lot more of the work and deserve a lot more of the glory than ownership does. But in the grand scheme of things, it all seems a bit silly, doesn't it? When you consider the fact that what roughly like a third, maybe a little less than a third of 
citizens across America last month couldn't make rent because of how how hard this economy has been hit because of this pandemic. And and you got nine figures worth worth of money between the two teams that I own. And I'm supposed to feel any any form of sympathy or empathy of that? How? And why? It's a tough it, it's a tough situation. And especially too, like you live in different parts of the world, man. It, it's different. It's all different right now. And so that's what I try to remind myself too is we've got listeners all over the world. And we've got people chiming in from all different places too. So there's uh there's different circumstances in the way that you look at the world, at least right now, can be a lot different depending on where you live. And even within inside our own country, Matt, uh, we can have a different perspectives, right? And so I think uh I think yeah, like just to go back to his point, I don't think uh I don't think many Bulls fans are going to have empathy for Jerry Reinsdorf and not many White Sox fans are either. Uh, But I do appreciate your point and appreciate you chiming in and listening to all the episodes, Trent. Uh, Please keep texting away and keep sending us your thoughts, even if we don't agree with them. We appreciate all of your guys' opinions. You hit us up at 331-979-1369. Drop your texts, your voicemails, anything you got for us. Going to dive into some Joe Colley column stuff tomorrow, which should be a lot of fun. As well as uh, maybe take a couple of more of your text messages and your voicemails. Maybe dive into some draft stuff as well. Uh, And talk about the restart tomorrow. Talk about the actual restart of the NBA. Maybe some of our favorites. And maybe we even uh, discuss how the awards, the quote-unquote Lockdown Lockdown 2020 awards went down and all of our hosts across the NBA channels submitted their awards for Rookie of the Year and MVP and all of that good stuff. So maybe we'll reveal those on tomorrow's show. But that's going to about do it here on Lockdown Bulls. Thanks again for listening. Hit us up, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails. Hit us up on Twitter, at Jordan C. Maui, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Lockdown Bulls. Thanks again to Axios and to my bookie. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a free $10 MLB wager when you use mybookie.ag. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Maui, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 